Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 26th of January, 2024, as the Flyers have now fallen for a fourth straight game. Uh, this time is a 3-0 shutout against the Detroit Red Wings, um, a game where I mean, the Flyers, yeah, they outshoot Detroit pretty significantly in the game, 29-17. to Statistically, it doesn't look like uh, a good performance from Sam Arison, but like the game the other night that the Flyers had, very similar in the sense that you can't just look at the raw numbers because they don't tell the story of this game. They really don't tell the story of this game. Flyers had some decent opportunities in the game. I didn't think they had enough second-chance opportunities in the game. I thought that was the difference. Um, they did have a few, and Alex Lyon you know, met the challenge and stopped all 29 pucks that uh, came his way, and I thought he played a, a really good game, but it, it wasn't the most spectacular of shutouts. And you look at the other end, and, and the Flyers and Sam Arison, uh, who got the start, only faced 17 shots, made 14 saves, and uh, three of the first 10 shots ended up in the back of the net. But you look at the three goals, and again, like, I can't just sit there and point the finger and say, you got to make saves on those. You know, the first one, he makes a save on a point-blank shot, which this one ended up opening the scoring. This is the Larkin goal. Um, it's a point-blank shot below the top of the circle on his left side at the shooter, good on him. He shot it to the middle of the net, middle of his body. It's Lucas Raymond. And then the rebound gets plopped down, and there's Dylan Larkin to shelf it to put Detroit up one to nothing in the game. That's just a minute 37 into the second period after a pretty sleepy first period, which is fine. If you're the road team, you don't mind playing a sleepy first period on the road. Um, then the second goal comes at 7.15. Flyers had a PK in that period um, when Scott Lawton took a penalty. And they blocked five shots on it. They were just getting into the lanes, blocking it, blocking shots from the high point, from the perimeter on the outside, just guys laying out. Cam York, Garnet Hathaway, Ryan Paling. It was a tremendous display of selfless team play. But then later, at the 7:15 mark, uh, uh, Raymond works a puck back to the middle point, Moritz Sider, and Morgan Frost comes out. To, to get something on the shot. As Sider's kind of winding up, you see that it's going to become a pass. He's going to kind of do like a wrist shot pass to what is the right side of the net that he's facing because Alex Dabrinkit is there kind of unchecked, wheeling towards the front of the net. So he's going to make a quick, you know, along the ice pass to him. And as soon as he lets it go, you see, especially from the behind the goal shot, you can see Sam Harrison reading the play. He knows that Debrinkit's there on his glove side. He loads up his right leg to push towards that side to mitigate any redirect opportunity. You want to put your center mass exactly as close to the redirect as you can for a goaltender. And when he loads up and pushes, then all of a sudden the puck hits off the stick of Morgan Frost. And instead of it traveling in that same direction, still deflected, what it does is it knocks the puck the other way. Now it's going off the redirect to Sam Harrison's blocker side. It's no longer coming to the glove side where he loaded up and pushed and the laws of inertia are taking his entire body there. And then you couple that. If that if the, the sides were reversed here, 
he would have had a fighting chance. And here's why. Because the puck was going from his glove side, where he was pushing to, where the original read was, and when it was deflected, it came to his blocker side. That makes it more difficult. The blocker is much more stationary, anchored, um, whatever you want to call it. It's holding the stick. On the glove side, if if that puck, if, if he originally pushes from his left to his right, so he pushes from his glove side to his blocker side, and then it comes back the other way, he can wave the glove. The glove is free. He can wave it. But because it's on his blocker side, he's more tied into elbow in, blocker pointing down, stick on the ice, those things. You just don't have the same freedom of dexterity when it goes from glove side to blocker side. That's bad luck. Ends up in the back of the net. So Sider picks up his sixth goal of the season. Now it's 2-0 for the Detroit Red Wings. And then a 10-08, a shorthanded goal from Andrew Kopp. And I don't even think this one was going to hit the net when it left his stick. It was rolling a little bit. Um, First of all, they get in deep. It's Farabee and um, Yegor Zamula go behind the net. And I just don't think that Zamula read where Farabee was real well. And then he kind of overran the play behind the net and didn't wedge it. You want him, if Farabee's coming in on the front side and Zamula's coming in trailing it, you want Zamula to, to seal the boards and Farabee to seal it from this side. Now you've got a barricade and the player can't come out to the front of the net and he can't go back behind the net because you've got him sealed off at the wall. Well, Zamula kind of reads it wrong and he ends up doing a little bit of a flyby on Michael Rasmussen. Rasmussen goes back behind the net, tees up a one-timer for Andrew Kopp, and as Zamula comes back around from behind the net after he kind of flies it by a little bit, he's in the middle of the ice, and the puck gets off his shin pad and goes in. I don't even think the cop shot was going to hit the net until it hit the shin pad of Zamula and ends up in the back of the net. I mean, what are you going to do? I don't know what you just nothing you can do as a goaltender. You're going, you got to be kidding me. But really, the breakdown there is the way the play happened behind the net. You want to put that forward, especially when they're shorthanded. When you've got a player, you're playing five on four, and you've got one of their players behind your net, you want to put them in jail. You want to surround them and put them in jail. You want to lock them down below your goal line. Because if you go the other way, you automatically got numbers. Now they only have three guys back, best case scenario. And they let him out of jail. And they let him out of jail, and Teed went up for Cop, who takes the shot, and it hits off Zomula's leg. But anytime, I mean, a lot of times on a PK, you don't even want your players going down below the bottom of the circle. There's no upside to it. But in this case, there was upside. <laughs> And that's just not the way you want to put that guy under constraint in your defensive zone when they are shorthanded. So that puts Detroit up 3-0 in the game. And that was it. You get into the third period. Not a whole heck of a lot happened in the third period. Now all of a sudden the Flyers have lost four straight. They win five straight games. So Okay, let's look at the dichotomy of this. The five straight games they win, they beat Montreal. It was a comeback. They win in that game in the shootout. Then they come back and they beat Minnesota 4-3 in overtime on the road. Then back-to-back, they go to Winnipeg. They win 2-0. Then they go to St. Louis, wrap up the three-game road trip with a 4-2 win. Then they come home 
on the 18th a week ago, yesterday, and they get that 5-1 win over Dallas. Since then, they've given up 7-5-6-3. Now, four of those goals in the four-game skid now total are empty netters. They've given up a total of 21 goals in the four games, and four of those, so 17, have been scored on goaltenders. Uh, But there's a couple of kind of recurring themes here. The quality of the scoring chances has been really high. Look at the Colorado game. We talked about that the day after. The Ottawa game was a bit of a sluggish game, but there were some quality scoring chances there for Ottawa in that one as well. Then Tampa, Kucherov, outrageous, and we talked about that. And then here against Detroit, we just went through those three goals. But they're defending more because they're not getting out in transition. I'm trying to think, I mean, I think in Tampa, they had some a couple of decent transition opportunities and maybe early in Ottawa, they had one or two, and then maybe a couple against Colorado. But they haven't been a team that's been, you know, really zipping up the ice in transition. And they're defending way more. This is the difference between that five-game win streak where they weren't defending a whole heck of a lot and how they are playing now where they are defending more and not in the offensive zone. I thought in the first period of the game last night against Detroit, I thought that their internal clock seemed off as they're going through the neutral zone guys were getting caught from behind and unable to chip a puck all the way deep down below the goal line they were shortening the ice for Detroit especially in that first and second period and you just don't want to do that so that may be a sign of mental fatigue I'm not sure uh, but it's something they got to figure out I thought they did some really good things in the first period against Detroit the block shots I thought Noah Cates was really strong in the first period. A couple other guys I thought were off to really good starts in the game. But I thought that was one element that the coaching staff would not like, the fact that they weren't pumping pucks deep when they had an opportunity to, and they were shortening the ice for Detroit. And Detroit's a team that can score. We know that. Even though their power play is not as lethal as Tampa's, which is ranked number one in the league, Detroit's power play is ranked coming into the game 10th in the NHL. So it's not a bad power play. So you, you look at these things, and then there's I think there's some bad puck luck that's happening right now. That's the way hockey works. It's just the way it goes at times. And sometimes you got to find a way to get the hockey gods back on your side. Uh, but sometimes you create your own luck, too. You defend too much, you might get some bad puck luck because you're tempting fate by defending too much. And I think that's part of the issue for the Flyers right now as well. Look, you got one more game. One more game before the All-Star break, and you're not taking on some patsy. You're taking on the Boston Bruins, who are obviously, you know, we, we know what they did last year. But the Boston Bruins, even though they're not on a legendary pace like they were last year, they're on a pretty darn good pace. They're a good team. They have the second highest points percentage in the NHL at .713. The only team with a higher one is the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, their record's 29-9-9. They're a good team. So the task at hand on Saturday for Mark Recchi's Hall of Fame induction is not going to be easy. Um, It doesn't matter if it's good, bad, ugly, whatever. You just got to find a way to end the skid. You don't want to go into this break having won five games and then losing five games. But the Flyers got to figure that out. And defending less is a big part of it. Now, the loss of Owen Tippett is a big element here. Owen Tippett can create offense on his own with his legs. 
And because you have a guy that can do that in Owen Tippett so regularly and so spectacularly, it also thins out the the neutral zone of the opposition by his presence being there because he can do that. It spreads everybody out. They don't clog you as much. And that's part of what I think we're seeing here as well, a team that's not flying up in transition as much because it's a little bit more clogged. They're playing a little bit slower. The other teams are able to clog them a little bit easier without having a guy like Tippett that can stretch the ice and create his own offense, especially off the rush. And I'm not going to say the Flyers have lost four straight because Owen Tippett hasn't played. That's I, I don't believe that to be true. But that's been a big part of it as well. Guys have to step up. It's just the way it is. So the Flyers will be back at it coming up on Saturday. Uh, afternoon game against the Boston Bruins and what will be Mark Recchi's induction. And and I was going through looking at Mark Recchi's numbers over his NHL career. I mean, the guy played 1,652 regular season games. It's an absurd, absurd number. He's got, uh, when you look at the amount of points that he has, this this is bananas, 1,533 points. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, this is crazy land stuff. Uh, he started his career in the 1988-89 season. He wrapped up his career in the 2010-11 season. He won multiple cups uh, just around forever. He was a 67th overall pick in the fourth round. He was taken by Pittsburgh in the 1988 entry draft. Diminutive in stature, only five. He lifted at 5'10". I don't think he's 5'10". I'm not buying that. Uh, but... When you look at, he had two stops with the Flyers. And so he played a total of 10 seasons with the Flyers, 602 games. And he had 627 points for the Flyers. He ended up seven total years in Pittsburgh, five total years in Montreal. I mean, you look at these stints. These are, he's played a 10 year, played for one team 10 years, another seven, another five. Played for three years in Boston, played a year in Carolina, a year in Atlanta. I didn't even remember that he played in Atlanta. And he played a year in Tampa. 22 total years. His most productive season of his entire career. His most productive. He had 91 and 1999-2000. But his most productive year was as a member of the Philadelphia Flyers. He had 120, 123 points. Franchise record. In the 1992-93 season, 53 goals, 70 assists, and just insane. I mean, his shooting percentage was 19.3%. That's bananas. you got to be kidding me, right? And he'll go into the hall. I mean, just incredible, incredible numbers. I mean, so many times up for the Lady Bing as a gentleman. Just a an unbelievable player. That snapshot on the off wing, off the toe, on the rush was one, I don't know how many goals he scored in that way, but he scored a lot. He played 189 total playoff games as well, and he had 147 points in the playoffs. Just an absolute animal, the wrecking ball. He'll go into the Hall of Fame coming up, Flyers Hall of Fame coming up tomorrow. It's going to be a great weekend, and hopefully the Flyers can get a win over the Boston Bruins, and hopefully they can end this four-game skid. So we'll wrap it up there. We'll preview Flyers Bruins tomorrow. Tonight is the alumni game. We'll do some recap on that. Brian Smith and I will be calling that game as well. Uh, So we'll talk about that and much more coming up tomorrow on a brand new Flyers Daily.